Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here today with Stephanie Walter. Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from? Great. Well, my name is Stephanie Walter. I'm from Denver, Colorado, and I am a real estate syndicator uh, and capital raiser. Yes. So I'm excited for this conversation. And um, before we dive in and just start talking about everything real estate and what you're doing today, I'm really curious what got you into real estate in the beginning? Like, what was your first exposure to the power of real estate? Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, my dad was, uh, you know, huge, um, influence on me. He was an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. And so he ran a few different businesses, but he always was buying, you know, different little small pieces of real estate. Definitely not what I'm doing right now, but it definitely opened my eyes to that. And in 2005, I started investing in like single family homes here in Colorado, not really understanding much, you know, other than I I really understood the market and I, I thought there'd be growth. I had no idea how much growth there, (laughs) there would end up being in Colorado, but that got me excited. And then I, I actually was uh, invited to a boot camp in 2016 and about buying apartment complexes. And then that's when I first heard the concept of syndication. And I was 45 years old at the time. And it just felt like this was what I was put on earth to do. <laughs> it sounds corny, it. but I just, I love the concept of a group of people buying something bigger than anyone could do on their own. Absolutely. I support that concept. And to further affirm my interest and involvement in multifamily and apartments, I am a broker that does commercial multifamily five to 50 units. So my marketing agency background has allowed me to be an expert deal finder. So really what I do is we source deals really all over. I mean, primarily I'll focus in Southern California unless one of my investors says, hey, I'm looking at this particular city in the US and then we'll target things over there. But this is what I'm doing is like sourcing deals, putting deals together. And we focus on five to 50 units because the real estate investment trusts and they don't really focus on those. They're on the 80, the 100 unit plus institutional grade multifamily and apartments. And when you get to syndication, typically that's the level of units that you're referring to is like 100 units, things like that. Are those the the, um, style of deals that you're going for? Like, uh, do you have a unit kind of minimum or how do you... um, we don't like I, I got connected with my partner after I did my own first syndication by myself and realized that I never wanted to go through that process by myself again. And so I got introduced to my partner who is, you know, he's just really 
loves to find the deals, loves to do everything but raise money. And then I'm brought in to kind of raise the money. So the way when we first got together was we were just going to, we wanted to kind of grow organically. So you can't like run out and buy 500 unit building, nor would you, nor would you want to. So like we started, you know, below, I don't know, we, we had our first deal was 60 units and then we've kind of stayed in that range. And then we just closed on a property at the end of this year with 160 units. And so that's, that's been our biggest one, but the main, you know, we wanted to grow, we didn't want to grow with institutional money. We wanted to have our own investors um, so that they would enjoy working with us and be treated like equals because a lot of times when a big industrial or institutional client comes in, they want to be treated special and Mm -hmm. have, you know, extra special and in fact, have better returns than, than just an average investor. And we, we did not want to do that. That's not the way we wanted to grow our business. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you mentioned that your side of the business is the capital raising, mm-hmm. right? That's awesome. So now, you know, you closed that 160 unit deal and you put that deal together, you know, how are you gaining new investors? Are they, are they being referred to by existing investors exclusively? Do you have some, some types of uh, lead capture forms or things out there on the web that help you get to get in touch with new investors? Like how could someone join this network that, that seems to be doing great things and syndicating multifamily deals? Yeah, well, I mean, it is marketing, just, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show. I've guested on a lot of podcasts, thankfully, this year. I've certainly got a lot of people that are interested in this type of investing. I kind of look at my prior life before this, I I was an insurance agent for 16 years. And um, this year in July, I sold my agency and, you know, quote unquote, retired. But the way that I look at it now is that I just want to expose as many people that I can to this type of investing because it changed my life, you know, um, and it can change a lot of people's lives. So, I do get a lot of referrals. That's, you know, that's our primary, but we're growing now where we need more, more uh, people. So I I am going to be starting a podcast um, in the mid year here. And I just kind of try to get out and and meet as many people as I can and kind of keep growing my, my database. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. And podcasts are a great medium to be able to capture someone who, number one, the, the fact that they're listening to a podcast means that they're attempting to personally develop in some way. They're learning, they're growing. You have a long form content piece that you can actually explain over a 30 minute to three hour process, You know, something that you're an expert in and really build tremendous value rather than the 15 seconds on social media, you have someone's attention or, or less. So I, I really do you know, believe in this. That's why, of course, I have my own podcast for this purpose is because it's an amazing tool at building that trust as you as the expert. So really excited for your podcast to come out. And uh, before then, listeners can get a preview to what your podcast is going to be like by listening to today's episode, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to, you know, multifamily syndication and the 
U.S. housing shortage. You know, what are your predictions for the you know next five to ten years in the industry? I mean,、uh-huh. food, water, shelter, right? We're one of the mandatory requirements to have a have a, a meaningful life that you can then start to worry about some of the other worries in life. Like this is a mandatory aspect of someone is where they live. So, where do you think things are going with with apartments and just the industry in general? You know, that's a great question. I think what The last few years have proved to us was that you know market and where you have you know your properties is everything you know,、mm-hmm. uh, and when I say that I mean、uh, well our market largely is in Florida actually, and it's really important to be put into an or to invest or to buy if you're planning to be a syndicator in a market that's growing and you know that it's growing and. Um, Florida, you know, is is growing like gangbusters. I think like two thousand people are moving there a day, and so if you can find an area like like Florida, or I mean, I, I know Texas is growing a lot too, and a lot of the southern states, you know that the jobs. If you do some research, ah,、uh, you know what industries are going to be. Moving there and just getting an idea of what the future looks like. You you can people think that it's so hard to vet these deals, but really, a lot of the information you can get is is most of it is on your computer. You could contact any you know if you're looking to invest in a city, you could call the chamber of commerce and just see you know what kind of growth are they expecting over the next five ten years. But for us, you know, I feel like we've Since I've been in this industry, which has been since 2016, it's done nothing but grow. Its multifamily has grown and has got it's gotten harder and harder to find deals that make sense to bring investors into. It's become in really really competitive. I know at some point, I mean, just looking at the history of things that. You know that it has to level out. That rent growth has to level out, but you know you kind of try to think it through. Of you know, our last acquisition was in Tallahassee, Florida, and they're expecting、um, that city to grow forty percent in the next ten、um, years, and they already have an enormous amount of of housing shortages there. So it will take years, if not a decade, for them to catch up. So I foresee it's it's going to continue to be very good, and but historically, you know, through certain, you know, times the the rent the rental growth will probably flatten out. That's not necessarily a bad thing as far as if you're invested in one of these properties because there's、uh, you still probably have a fully occupied. Um, apartment complex, and so th- that the rent isn't growing, you know, as quickly as it has in the past. You're still going to be making cash flow. I I might be going too deep in that question, but yeah, <laughs> that's what I、no. think. I think it's going to continue to grow in areas that are growing. And、yeah, so, that, that, that's a, a great point. And you mentioned some of the other aspects that I kind of touched on in the question of the housing shortage and the explosive growth of certain areas. As you mentioned, Florida is where you're, you're doing these deals, and just it's blowing up. As you know, Texas, Florida are 
Californians are flooding to both those states, and I'm sure other states are too. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely an area of opportunity. And when it comes to housing shortages, apartments make so much sense because you know when single family homes aren't on the market and they're crazy expensive. In the meantime, people have to live somewhere. So you know, in a lot of cases, you're having highly qualified buyers renting. Um, and, and in that meantime, and apartments are where they do that. So I, I believe a lot in the apartment area. And that's why, you know, when I got my license, I kind of saw the writing on the wall through some of my clients that were in multifamily, just absolutely crushing it in their transaction volume. And I'm like, wow, this is a, this is a realm that is obviously exploding and there's a lot of opportunity here. So, um, you know, I am in it every day with you and and very excited for the future to come. So I, I uh, support your prediction. Yeah. And just like you were saying before, you know, I, I talked to a lot of investors that are like, well, what's going to happen? But through, if you look historically, I think we have more information available to us than ever before. You can see how multifamily has fared over recessions. The most last one was COVID. Rent growth is in double digits, you know, where, but when you think of recessions, like the, let's go back to the 2007, 2008 one. Actually, though the housing market was was crashing, the multifamily uh, market had a bit of a, a flat rent. But then as people started losing their houses, they needed to move into apartment complexes. So uh, it recovered very quickly um, mm-hmm. during that. And so it's a, a very steady place. I think institutional um, people have known about this type and the very wealthy and the banks and insurance companies have known about this, just like what you're saying, they invest very heavily in these, in multifamily, much larger multifamilies. They've known about this secret, but I think also what's fueling the growth is just in 2012, because of the Jobs Act, we've been able to market these deals to people, a whole audience that never knew anything about these. Um, so that I think has also, you know, flooded the market with with just a lot of new investors. Absolutely. And the prospect of syndication makes investing in a 160 unit apartment complex possible for an average investor that doesn't have, you know, $100 million to play around with. So I'm curious if you want to share, um, I, I, I'm not sure if you, you are comfortable sharing this, but I'm curious if there's like investment minimums for being a, a syndication limited partner, because uh, yeah. I think a lot of listeners would be interested in, well, what's the floor to get in on something like that with, with this particular capital firm? Yeah, well, we usually say 100,000 is the minimum, but you know, with every deal, you know, as you talk to new investors that are truly green to this and have never heard of it before, a lot of times they may be like, I don't know, you know, 100,000 is a lot to put in. So, you know, we're more than happy to take 50. 50 is the lowest that we would take in an investment because we know that once someone gets in and like, really experiences this, they're like, oh yeah, I'm in next time, you know, even for more money. So that just supports the growth of our business. So yeah, 50,000 would be the lowest. Yeah, that's super attainable. And do they have to be an accredited investor in order to invest? Yes. Yep. Definitely the 506C, the accredited investor is what we do now. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it makes sense. I, I've had some some firms that were doing different things in like the secondary mortgage market on, on the, the podcast. And uh, they mentioned that's one of the stipulations, right? Is you, you got to be an accredited investor. But then at that point, you can, of course, invest. And then they had um, their minimums. So yeah, mm-hmm. really good information. Hopefully, some of my listeners out there can uh, uh, do some research on what an accredited investor is if they don't know yet. But uh, if they qualify, then it's something that's very interesting. I think 50000 is super interesting to be able to have a piece of an extremely stable investment. Like when you go from one door to 50 doors, it helps to increase the stability because if one person doesn't pay rent, you have 49 more people there, right? But when you, this is why banks love it. When you get up to 160 doors, now you can have a full-time staff there that the rent roll can support and it helps to uh, keep up on all the maintenance much easier and you can be offsite as an investor and not have to worry about it. And then, you know, when it comes to stability, you could have, you know, five, 10 unrented units and you still have 150 units fully rented. So yeah, it's really interesting to be a part of from the stability standpoint. And then of course, with the appreciation and in and, and housing values, I don't ever bank on appreciation in investments. I, I like to look much more at cash flow and make sure that it, it's an investment that we can hang on to if things change on the appreciation point, but you can't ignore appreciation. It's a part of the formula, especially in the last couple of years. So um, yeah, it's it's a really, very unique investment to be a part of even just a small sliver of the pie on 160 units rather than trying to go do a single family uh, flip in your area with that 50 grand and you got to manage the whole project and do the whole thing, right? So and I meet people like that all the time. And I, I was that person. I mean, and that's why I, I freely share, you know, by the time I knew about a syndication, I was 45. I was well entrenched in my worldview, which is I'm going to buy all these single family rentals and cash flow, you know, very little, but they're appreciating, you know, up the yin yang, but I'm having to worry about, you know, in Denver here, it getting cold or the fires that were just through here. I mean, there's just so much you worry as a landlord about that you once, you know, you start, I started selling my properties and I invest in every deal that I do. But yeah, I don't lose any sleep over my, you know, because I know that we have professionals that are doing their job and I, you know, wait for my my check to come at the end of the month and gladly cash it without having right. to worry anymore. So yeah, I mean, I, I just think a lot of people haven't heard of this. Sometimes maybe it sounds too good to be true, but it it is, uh, you know, a really valid way of building wealth. Absolutely. And that's why at the beginning of the podcast, when you said syndication, I was like, yes, let's, let's, have, <laughs> let's talk about syndication today. I love it. So um, I'm curious about some of your entrepreneurial habits. You've already had a successful career and you sold, it was an insurance agency. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You had a successful exit from a, an insurance agency and essentially retired already. And that obviously takes a lot of discipline and success habits along that journey. But now you also are part of this wealth fund that is doing great things in multifamily syndication. So there's a trend here, right? There's a there's a trend of success for Stephanie Walter. And what I'm curious about for my listeners, is like, what is the single most important action that you take on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success? I would say, well, one is I think you have to be optimistic and believe that you can do it. But 
also actually just doing it, you know, whatever Mm. you say you're going to do, do it. Um, Because I have these conversations with a lot of people because I've been around in this industry now long enough that, you know, I see people I know in, in different events and stuff like that. And, you know, so many people start out in this business and they get, you know, they want to become syndicators, but they, they don't make it. And I don't, and people ask me, why, why do you, why did you make it? And other people didn't. And I just think that I've always had, you know, this is my plan and I'm going to do it. And I'm willing to go through, you know, mistakes, which I definitely, you know, had some mistakes when I first started raising money. I I still do, you know, but you, you know, that's just a part of success is to, you know, try something. Does it work or does it not work? Oh, okay. That was, that didn't work. So let's move on to the next thing. Let's keep digging until we get through. (laughs) So that's kind of Mm. my personality. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I like that. An optimistic personality and, you know, one that's curious enough to be able to persevere and solve problems is is a a great trait to have and, you know, a great way to approach every day. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to evaluating what to say no to, do you have any type of process? You mentioned real estate events, for example. It's so easy in the real estate industry to once you get in it, now you're invited to golf tournaments and real estate investor events at the at, you know hotels every single month. And, and there's one in every city around you and you could go to 15 of these if you wanted to. And uh, there's uh, all kinds of things that pop up that are opportunities that you could say yes to. And it's very easy to say yes to. But, you know, what's your process for saying no to things? Still, I'm learning that. I'm trying to get better at it. And in fact, it's funny you bring that up. I was, I had bought a ticket uh, for an event out actually in California. And um, I really kind of looked at what the event was going to go over and what types of people would be at that event. And real, you know, just had to sit down with myself and be like, this probably isn't going to get you, you know, where you want to go. And I know Mm. you bought the ticket, but I I know someone else who wants to go and will take my ticket. But uh, so I did after I, you know, had committed, I I did say no. Um, And I I don't like to, (laughs) because I like, I like to please people. But I think in especially real estate, we tend to throw a really wide net and I think the more successful people in this business um, keep their their net, I guess, like an inch wide and a mile deep is the way that I would say that, which just means, you know, find your your niche and go really, really deep into that and and say no to the things that, you know, aren't going to meet what you said you want who you want to find and what you want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm a believer in niche focus as well. So much so that when I got into the marketing space, I at first was kind of just getting my feet wet, doing everything for everybody. And then I invested in coaching, consulting, and they said something which I already knew, but I wasn't practicing. They said, if you're marketing to everybody, you're marketing to nobody. Yeah. So pick a niche like hyper niche and stick to it. So what did I choose? (laughs) I chose to 
create a marketing agency specifically for top 1% real estate brokers. I mean, we're talking a specific industry, a specific problem, and only the top 1% of those people because there's, you know, 1.3 million. I think there's actually 1.5 million real estate agents between U.S. and Canada. And that's just on the residential side. And so when I started to look at the market cap and the numbers, I was like, if I'm going to be installing marketing systems, I really only want to work with the top 1% that have existing systems on their day-to-day business that are effective. Like if I give them a lead, they'll convert it, have the person have a phenomenal experience buying or selling a piece of property, and then they'll be able to get ROI from the campaigns we're generating, right? Like I don't want to work with agents that are brand new or that don't have these systems in place or that are going to burn leads that we give them. So I chose like hyper, hyper, hyper niche. And from making that decision, you know, four or five years ago, I can say that from learning the industry from the inside out on a day-to-day basis, because this is what I do every day. I don't have to like switch industries between each client and do all this. It's like, that's bred so much success. Yeah. And, and it, so I've been a, a living example of going hyper niche and solving, you know, one problem for one person. And then all of a sudden you realize that there are other people out there that that will help too. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm curious if you have anything for your clients, you know, anything that you do specifically for your clients that uh, nobody else does in, in the multifamily syndication industry that you know of. Oh boy. That's a tough one. I mean, from talking to, you know, clients that have worked with other you know, groups, ours is very small, you know, compared to, you know, like some of the larger ones out there. So, I mean, I think we're, I mean, anytime my phone rings, if it's an investor, I answer it. That knowing, you know, just really getting to know them and what they're looking for and their needs and, you know, things as small as like, birthdays, you know, calling and sending something for their birthdays, having, you know, I call after they start getting their um, monthly distribution. So when we acquire a property, then it takes us about three months to stabilize it. Then we start sending out monthly distribution checks. So I like to, you know, call each one and, you know, answer any questions, just, you know, say that, you know, that we appreciate them. And I think the reason that we've grown so fast is because of people think that we're a different society, but the people that I work with are so appreciative of the customer service and the personalization. It's, you know, they're very small things, but in this day and age, they are kind of unique. And so... Mm. I find that I can get these relationships with these investors. We want them to be for their lifetime. And so it it becomes, you know, you know, I think that that stuff goes a long way to personalize the service. Yep. Absolutely. Makes total sense. And that personal touch, it's funny how many times my conversations on the lockbox podcast come back to relationships and relationship building. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Do you have like one to three book recommendations that have greatly influenced your life or career and and you'd like to share? 
Sure. Well, I'll just, the one, I like a couple books by the same author, but they're usually ones that most people have never heard of. Um, And the first one, the number one book I would recommend for someone to read is called Killing Sacred Cows. It's uh, Garrett Gunderson is, is the writer of that book. And essentially, he talks about the sacred cows are just our views on money. And it's really a mindset book about how the wealthy think differently about their money. And I've seen this firsthand when I um, raise money and I, I work with very, very wealthy and I work with, you know, more average people. And I am astounded, you know, at the differences of the way that the wealthy look at their money as opposed to, you know, just regular people. And so I think that's that's a great book that just, you know, talks about how to get that mindset of a wealthy investor and really kind of shooting down a lot of things that we're taught to believe in, like, you know, you work for a company and invest in the 401k and, you know, get, get you know, the, he, the, he really goes into that deep. And I love that. And then, of course, then another one from him is, I think it's what, what did the Rockefellers do? And I'm a bit of a history buff. And I love this one because it talks about um, the Rockefellers and how they've made their wealth and how their wealth has, has, you know, is bigger now than it ever has been because of things they put into place to keep their wealth going from generation to generation, being useful, not being squandered by, you know, trust fund babies and and stuff like that, Uh, as opposed to the Vanderbilt fortune, which, you know, within a hundred years of that fortune, it's, it's gone completely. So I'm kind of fascinated by that too. I can't think, oh, I, well, I guess at a business standpoint, oversubscribed, I I like that. And I, (laughs) sorry, I can't remember the author's name, but that's a great book for people that in any industry that are wanting people to come to you, you know, and just a great book about building a business and getting people to line up around the block for your product or your service. Awesome. I love that. The one that interested me the most was the one about how the Rockefellers have preserved their wealth and handed it down to generations without the trust fund babies, you know, just blowing it all and and having it dwindle the, the total fortune. Something that I think about is, you know, I've been doing personal development since I was 18. I was taught to, you know, work hard for the things that I want. And I'm setting things up very well for the time that when I do have children, they'll be in a great spot. One thing that I think of is then they don't have that experience necessarily that I had where that shaped me. And so I'm like, how do I, you know, something that I'm just loosely thinking about now is how do I create an environment and and create a relationship with my children that helps build that value in, you know, the knowledge of the right way to think about money, but also, you know, the knowledge of like working hard for things and, and uh, finding that balance. Right. So uh, that's an interesting one. I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have those same concerns. I have a, he'll be turning eight in a month and yes, I, that's a goal for me too, to, to work that out logistically, but that's a great place to start for sure. Awesome. I love that. And 
it's uh, easy to listen to this podcast and see the success of Stephanie from the outside and kind of be blinded by that. But really, you know, from your perspective, you know that there were tons of hurdles and things along the way that got you to this point. So I'm curious if there was a particular failure or like a favorite failure of yours that's really shaped you and, and, and helps to, you know, build you up for that later success. Yeah, for sure. That is my first, my first deal as a syndicator that I did by myself. Mm, The one Um, you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say, I mean, it wasn't a failure in the sense that, you know, it's done well. It's been a, it's been a good investment for my investors, but uh, for me, I was so desperate to get my first deal. I probably should have passed on it at the end of the day um, because it it is it's a beautiful house. It's actually located in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's a fraternity house, so there's 18 boys that live in it. And like I said, it it was very hard to get it over the finish line, and I do lose sleep some nights worrying about you know certain things that boys do that they shouldn't do and, you know, and stuff that's completely out of my control. But, um, you know, we, we are gearing up to sell that one. And, but the being in charge of it has, has definitely, it drained me a lot, um, which has led me to getting my partner right after that. And thank God, (laughs) because, you know, there's just too many moving parts in this business. And it really taught me to pick a lane and go um, and not try to do everything because I would be a mess if that was the case. (laughs) Absolutely. I think the lesson there is that it's very hard to do everything on your own in this business and you don't have to. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So in the last five years, do you have any type like a a new belief, a new behavior or a new habit that has most improved your life? A thousand percent working with the wealthy people I worked with and um, kind of trying to figure them out made Mm. led me to um, understand that the the rentals that I had had a great deal of appreciation in them, but very, very little cash flow. So just viewing money as something that should be working for me at all times, rather than something that should just accumulate over here from when I'm ready to retire. So that led me to start selling all of my rentals, you know, one by one. And that helped me retire um, because of the cash flow. So yes, that's um, that mindset, you know, changed my life. Otherwise, I had, you know, been on plan A, which was, I'm buying these properties, and I'll hold on to them for 30 years until the until the mortgages are paid off, and then I can live off the rent. So that drastically changed my timeline to have done it that way. Right, which isn't a bad option. But when you're thinking about your money, like a hedge fund thinks about money, which is, I need a certain yield on this, this amount of money, this sum, whether that's 18% for you per year, or whether it's you know higher or lower based on your risk aversion and you know your overall investor portfolio, that's really I agree with you. It's the way to look at it because the whole goal. I mean, one of my mentors said this: your twenties are for learning, your thirties are for earning, and your forties are for letting that money work for you. Right. That's it. 
And uh, that's if you start from from nothing. If you get a little help in the beginning, I mean, you could do that sooner, right? Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, that's that's been my journey, and I'm excited to be on it. So, is there a question that I should have asked you, or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? I think what I like to tell people who haven't heard of syndication is definitely open your mind to it. Our projects, we've done eight now. Every single one has returned over 20% annualized rate of return, as well as paying you know, the, the monthly 8% preferred return to, to our clients. My favorite investor um, of all time always told me, Stephanie, you keep, you keep giving me 20% a year and, you know, you're golden, you know, he's like, that's, that's the way to true, true wealth is is to invest that way. So, yeah, I think I tell people to, you know, this is newer. A lot of people haven't heard of it, but don't turn it aside just because you haven't heard about it. Try to learn more. You couldn't be in a better time to learn more about stuff with the internet and being able to, you know, check people out and, you know, research areas and, and all that good stuff. I love it. Absolutely. It is a, is a new world where now we can think like banks, right? Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, banks and, you know, big trust funds that have like, uh, you know, or hedge funds rather that have, you know, real estate investment trusts and thousands of properties. They've known about this for a while. And they've had the funds to be able to buy them outright and do it all themselves. But for the average everyday investor, now it's possible to invest in these types of things that banks thought about for a long time. And you can get your money working for you, just like banks use your money in their account to go work for them. That's <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's, I couldn't set it better. That's it. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> so how can listeners contact you? The best way is just to go to my website, which is www erbewealth.com. And I have a report that you can download uh, the five reasons that passive investing might be for you. Mm. And hoping to, well, my podcast will be coming out probably April of 2022. So on my website, we'll direct you over there too. I love that. Well, I appreciate having you on. Stephanie, Walter, everyone, helping with multifamily syndication, primarily in Florida. But if you're curious about learning more, then I will link to her contacts below and definitely check out her website. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.